welcome to the latest episode of Anything But Square podcast. On this episode, we have gone back into the archives once again to bring you this memorable and potent talk featuring America's own Billie Jean King. Billie Jean King is a former world number one professional tennis player and she joined us in this conversation to talk about the important role volunteers play in community sport and share her experiences in sport, leadership and gender equality. We hope you enjoy. Billie's joining us today. So I'd like you to all be upstanding because we've asked the 39-time Grand Slam winner, the winner of the Battle of the Sexes, the woman who created the WTA in 1974. Her and her wife are now co-owners of the um, Major Baseball League Dodgers team, uh, and they have a foundation named after them, and in fact, even stadia in New York City. So it's a real privilege for us to welcome Billie Jean here today um, for a brief and informal chat about some of her experiences, both in sport, in leadership, and in certainly the impact that she's had Good morning. So great Friday, to meet right? you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Billy Jane, everyone's very excited. No one knew you were coming. I'm excited to meet you too. I looked at your bio and I, I'm like, it looks like you've lived like 10 lifetimes. Let's not have life. a bio competition so because you Thank will you pick my Thank you for helping ass. cancer. Oh my gosh. Do you know Dr. Susan Love? Well, you guys are in the same... I met her years ago. So anyway, it's so great to be back in Australia. <laughs> well, we, we missed you earlier in the year when you I know, I'll be back up. next year, though. Yeah, we, we're so thrilled that you're here with us Thank you. Um, today and for the T20 World Cup final. That's so exciting. I guess I wanted to ask you about that because we saw Megan Rapinoe, you know, that iconic photograph of her <laughs> after scoring that goal, the impact that the U.S. Women's National right. Team has Every had. Every generation, got to go for it. And everything is changing rapidly, but what do you think still needs to happen? Oh, God, where do we start? <laughs> it's so interesting. When you read about history, it seems like history went really quickly. But when you live it, it is so, so slow. And for my generation, I'm 76 now. You don't have to guess. I haven't had any work done yet. I need it, though. <laughs> and it's so exasperating. This year is the 50th anniversary of women's professional tennis. As you know it today, there were nine of us that signed a $1 contract and with Gladys Hellman, who was editor of the World Tennis Magazine. And before that, in 68, tennis became a pro sport. In the 1970s, when we did well, our $1 thing. And the reason we did it is because we thought it was going to be equal when it started. And when I got my first check, Rod Labor won Wimbledon and I won Wimbledon in 68, the first year that we got money. And he got 2,000 pounds and I got 750. And I went, okay, that's going to be another challenge because we had to fight hard for pro tennis. So what happened, and my former husband told me this would happen, I did not believe him, is that they will get rid of your tournament. The men will not want you to be involved. Like, oh, no, they're my friends. I love them. We play tennis. We go to dinner. No, no, they'll never do that. He said, Billy... The old boy network will not, they, will, they can't stand it if you receive anything. And he was right. And that was really disappointing. It was a really tough time from 68 to 70. So nine of us players, and two of them are Australian, which you need to know. They put their whole career on the line. That's Judy Tagart Dalton, who still plays, I guess, goes out. She's 82. She's our oldest uh, member of the nine of us. And the other one is Carrie Melville. Reed. So it's Judy Taggart Dalton 
and Carrie Melville read, and you can look them up. But they, when we did that one dollar, and, and we have a photo with us holding up, they got suspended by the Australian LTA that moment when they saw that photo. And so all of us put our careers on the line, but those two got punished first. And so every Australian player who's ever played since those moments owe Judy and Carrie a lot. I mean, the whole country, I mean, the whole world owes them. But so when you ask me what else needs to be done, we just, everything I've championed, basically my whole life is championing equality. So we're just fighting for equality. And it's amazing what uh, cricket has done. The men and women together, they're going to make it equal for both the men and women. The men today who are, are so great compared to my generation. There's so much more for their sisters, their daughters. Fathers with daughters are amazing. My dad was great with me is the reason I also had my opportunity because he believed in me as much as my brother. When you just look at each area, whether it be coaches, because you had Beck up here, right? And whether, you, whether it's players, whether it's what hotels you even stay in, do you have a shower? I mean, it gets down to really basic things. Everyone should have these opportunities equally, that's all. But because men started first, basically, and giving money, and everyone invests in men, you know, whether it's sponsorships. I mean, if you look at sponsorships, men get tons more. And it goes back to the thing that guys will support guys. I mean, uh, and then they say, well, you guys don't get as much crowd. You don't get this. No kidding. I mean, they're so much older. They've been going at it so many more decades. So, yeah, you're right. But it's going to take time. We're second in the marketplace by some sports by, you know, hundreds of uh, more than 100 years. And others, it's, it's not. Or even if you started together, they gave all the attention to the, the men. So... It's just now starting to change a little. And with Rapino, who I do know, I met her years ago, and actually the cricket's trying to beat the record of the, of the I say football here, in home at soccer, I get all mixed up, is football in 1999 at the World Cup. You know, they had over 90,000. I think it was 90,185. And they're trying to get 100 on Sunday. So please, everyone support it. Because it would be great if the cricket gets the most ever. And it also just elevates everyone. It elevates all sports, women's sports in particular, and gets people enthusiastic and want to do more for their girls um, at every level. And it starts at grassroots. Every child should have an opportunity. I don't care who they are. You know, I don't care if they're a boy, a girl, a they, or um, disabled, or whatever. I don't care. Everyone deserves an opportunity. Everybody matters. And there's nothing like sports to understand, trust your body. Girls aren't, aren't taught to trust our bodies. We learn to trust our bodies like boys. Have, it's normal for them. Oh, of course I do. Well, it should be normal for us. So and when you can trust your body, it gives you an inner strength as well. How many of you are in sports? You are also mentally and emotionally stronger. There's nothing like it. And it teaches you to be self-reliant and to believe in yourself. Because girls are taught to be perfect. Boys are taught to be brave. Girls, we're never going to be perfect, so just throw it out. And boys don't always be brave. You have a right to feel and to be vulnerable. I mean, it's just not right for either gender. And I grew up with a brother, younger brother. And he was a major league baseball player, which means nothing to you guys. But it is huge in America. Every boy grows up thinking if he can be a 
you know, a major league baseball player. And Randy did it. Randall James Moffat. Moffat's my birth name. When I first came to Australia in 1964, I was a Moffat. Yeah, I just, just, I got married the next year. But and now I'm with Ilana Kloss, who was a, a great tennis player herself, number one in the world in doubles in South Africa. How did you discover as a young girl about how your body was capable of being fast and strong and agile? How did you discover tennis? Well, this is where boys, men make a huge difference to their girls. When I was born in 1943, it was unheard of most of the time for, for parents to really encourage their girls uh, to be in sports. First of all, my mother said my brother and I just moved a lot when, before she had us. And the third word we both learned was ball. Mommy, ball, daddy, ball, ball, ball. Drove them crazy. So I just, and my dad was a, a basketball player and track and field guy, and he just loved, I loved basketball. It was my first love. I grew up in all team sports. Everybody goes, oh, you play tennis. I go, you don't get it. I played, you know, basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball. I just played, I love team sports. And then got into tennis uh, because somebody asked me, do you want to play in fifth grade? And I said, what's tennis? I got lucky. You never know how another person's going to touch your life or how they're going to touch your life. And Susan Williams is one of those people. Every day I think about what if Susan hadn't asked me to play tennis? How would my life have been? Because I've had an amazing life. I'm one of the lucky ones. And I want everyone to have that opportunity. Now that you're not an elite tennis player, what do you do for sport, sport. recreation? I'm lucky if I get to the gym. I work all the time trying to help uh, Equal. Everything I do is equality. We have a Billie Jean King enterprise, which is for-profit, and a non-profit Billie Jean King leadership initiative. And everything, I just champion equality. That's my life since I was 13. When I was 13, I had an epiphany. I was two years into tennis, and I started daydreaming about tennis. And in those days, it was very amateur and very small, so you kind of have to put that hat on. And I started daydreaming that uh, everyone who played wore white shoes, white socks, white clothes, played with white balls in those days. And everybody who played was white. And at 13, I said, where's everybody else? Where's everybody else? And what I was thinking about, which I didn't realize as a 13-year-old, was inclusion. And so I promised myself that day, when I had that day, you know, I was daydreaming and thinking and vision, you know, vision equals reality. So... And I knew I was lucky that, we, that I had tennis because I knew that you got to go to Wimbledon. It's not just in the U.S. So I was like, oh, wow. And in the old, now I'd say I, have, I knew I had a platform. But I knew as a girl it would be harder. But I'm also a white girl, which just helps. But that was my life, that equality is what I was, I just said, I want everybody to have this equal, you know, just chance and opportunity, equal rights. Everyone deserves to have equal rights under the law. I didn't say under the law in those days, but I was thinking everyone deserves the same. So that's why I'm sitting here today, really. I, everything for me was probably off the court. I, I didn't really concentrate on the court. Like, I mean, if i just been a tennis player and concentrated on the court, I don't know how good I could have been. But that, that's not... You're that's right. Not, that wasn't important grand slams. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, but you have to decide what's important. And the quality off the court and on... But what, we have a platform in sports. And that's what's so fantastic. We, we have something that, you know, that very few people have. And it's really important to be kind and good, be inclusive, to help others.
We are really, really privileged as an athlete, particularly a professional athlete. Our, I think our job is to not just play our sport, but to uh, include everyone and also learn how to lead. Sometimes you have to step up and lead. But usually people push people into leadership. Have you found that? Have you been championed all the time to lead? Have you noticed it or not? Uh, I was a professional cyclist as a domestic. I worked for others to win, and it taught me to be a servant leader. That's what leadership is, being a servant. It's exactly right. It's about others. It's not about yourself. Or you can say at least we, not I. Like generally in sports, I've found, I told Julie Foudy, this who's an American, was on the winning 99 team, and she was the captain of the team. And I said to her, Julie, the first two generations, when you're really trying to change things, say the word we. And by the third generation, it's I. And she goes, oh, really? So, of course, a lot of years have gone by since the 90s. I go, well, tell me, how are the first generations? How did it work? Oh, boy, were you right. The first two were totally together, and by the third, they're going, I, I, I. I said, welcome to reality, because once the sports start to do better, it's about themselves instead of we. It should always be we, us. We can do this together. So it's really hard. You just have to uh, create the culture. Isn't that what you find? You have to create the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Billy Jean, this is so wonderful thanks. that you joined us for this short chat. We're know, so thanks. grateful. But this is about, is this about grassroots? Yeah, it's about Can I just say one thing? Please. Absolutely. Everyone talks about the top athletes, but it's the real sheroes and heroes are at the grassroots. And my brother and I, the reason I'm up here today is because in Long Beach, California, where we were raised, they had a park and rec department. I got Clyde Walker, who gave free instruction. So it was free courts, free instruction. My dad was a firefighter. We could, we could not afford to pay for those. So I just want you to know how important you are at the grassroots, because I am a grassroots kid. And I never forget it every day when I wake up, ever. So I want to thank each and every one of you that help your communities, that lead in your communities, because you are really the true sheroes and heroes, not the top athletes. The top athletes can motivate and inspire, but just think about your own lives for a second. I mean, I had my parents, the minister of my church, Reverend Bob Richards, who was a pole vaulter and won the uh, gold medal in, in uh, 52 and 56. Was it 56 in Melbourne? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. And then he also won a bronze in 48 as a younger guy. And every sermon he would have sports. Then I had four teachers, you know, I can remember them, Mrs. Hunter, Mr. Bamrick, Mr. Mays, Mrs. Johnson, that changed my life. So it's grassroots is where all the building and all the building blocks come together that make you who you are. I just get so inspired when I go to a, a rec park. I went in Long Beach about a month ago and just went back to my old stomping grounds and saw the kids playing and remembering Clyde and seeing the, the, the instructor there and the coach they have there now and thinking how it changes your life because you can't go wrong if you get a child in sports. Unless they're taught they have to win, forget that. My parents never asked my brother and me if we'd won. Not once did they ask us, did we win? Don't ask your kid if they won. How was your day? Okay, they'll tell you. My poor parents had to listen to my brother and me. I lost. <laughs> well, did you try your best? Well, of course I tried my best. My dad used to say, it's enough. My mom was great. She, your dad's right. So anyway, just know how important each and every one of you are, okay? Because I just want to thank you. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you so Sorry much. Sorry I took too long. Thank, no.
Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Brady. See you later. That's all you do. New episodes of Anything But Square are released every Wednesday. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to our newsletter at fedsquare.com. Take care and we'll see you next Wednesday.